0: What's up, y'all, and welcome to the Poison Arrow podcast for June 30th, 2016. I am Marcus, also known as EMB, and today is mostly dedicated to a bit of a retrospective on Dark Souls 3. I don't really know what to call it. I can't really call it a full review, since there's still content that I haven't gotten to yet, but I do kind of know enough about how I feel about it overall. Um, I'll also talk about another game that I've been playing quite a bit of that may surprise you. Or maybe not, if you've been following me for a while. Um, as niche as I as eh, as niche as I am most of the time, sometimes I like the odd mainstream hit. You like what you like, you know. Um, I'll finish up with a small bit of E3 talk. I honestly didn't see many new games from E3 that just blew me away. Uh, let me know what you guys are excited for, because I'm feeling like I must have missed something. I mean, I saw people so excited about the announcements, but I just really wasn't feeling them. Uh, Also, the internet should be straightened out for the time being, knock on wood. Uh, I have taken some side work that's cutting into things a bit, but I'm going to do my best to balance making videos, working on my projects, my side job, helping my friends out, and of course, being a papa. um, I'm not going to (laughs) lie, it is a hard balance to find sometimes, guys. And I don't ever really take much personal time that isn't work-related in some way, unless I'm like helping out a friend. I think I have the same illness that Miyazaki-san's got. I'm just far less successful than he is. Okay, so the Dark Souls 3 review thing-ish thing. This is my personal opinion. You can preface every statement that follows with, for me, or in my opinion, or I think that, whatever. I'm not some judge issuing a final verdict on this game for generations to come. I can only tell you how I personally feel about it. No hate bait, but I'm just going to tell it how it is. So, with limited experience, roughly a playthrough and a half, here's how I feel about it. It's a worthy conclusion to the FromSoft Dark Souls trilogy, but it's lacking in replay value. I think that really every FromSoft game after Dark Souls 1 has had this problem for me. Um, No matter how much I enjoy the combat or how many interesting lore points there are, I don't really feel like doing any sort of role-playing in these worlds. Uh, I I don't feel like I want to live there, stay there, like keep keep existing in this world. How can I say this? Uh, A part of it is a linearity issue, particularly with Bloodborne and Dark Souls 3. They're both very directed experiences that seem to focus more on creating a narrative rather than some expansive world to live in. Uh, Dark Souls 2 was less linear than Bloodborne or Dark Souls 3, but it still really pushes you down a straight path in the second half of the game. Dark Souls 3 is something of an inverse of that. Uh, The beginning is extremely linear, and then you have a few options later on. Some will probably say that Dark Souls 3 is more like Demon's Souls due to the hub setup, with Firelink Shrine being an analog of the Nexus. But I don't agree at all. Um, Demon's Souls was far far less linear than dark souls 3 you could choose to explore any of the five worlds in any order and you could freely bounce between them at any time like you can play to five two and then go do one or well not one one you have to do one one first one two and then you can bounce and do five two and then go to four one like in dark souls 3 you essentially have two choices at any given time and you still end up needing to kill most of the bosses in the game Uh, Dark Souls 3 had something like 5 optional bosses, whereas Dark Souls 1 had 9, not including the DLC, which would make it 13, or the Ceaseless Skip, which would make it like 14. In terms of optional areas, the main ones in Dark Souls 3 are Untended Graves and Archdragon Peak. Dark Souls 1 had Ash Lake, Painted World, The Asylum Revisit, Darkroot Garden, and Darkroot Basin, The Depths, Upper Brighttown... Upright Town, I fucking stayed in Japan way too long. I do that all the time, guys. Upper Blight Town, Uh, for that matter, Undead Berg, the Valley of Drakes. I think you get the point. I mean, even if you wanted to say, well, bosses isn't really a good way to judge. These are the optional areas in Dark Souls One versus optional areas in Dark Souls Three. And more to the point, Untended Graves and Arch Dragon Peak are kind of just stuck on at the end of the game. There's an underlying difference in the designs of these games. Dark Souls 1 plops you down in a world and says, Okay, go explore and be an undead. Good luck with that, buddy. Uh, Dark Souls 3 is a lot more focused on tying together the story so that people get the overall picture of what the series was intended to be about. We've learned of the origin of this world. uh, Once cold and stone brought to life by the first flame, then the flame was scattered souls or embers of the flame if you want to use that analogy were taken and split up by these new living things they carved up the world to suit them laid waste to the everlasting dragons and created mighty kingdoms and domains but the quote unquote flames began to flay <sighs> flayed, flames began to fade their souls weakened over time and the lords panicked they had different ideas with how to pre- they had different ideas with how to prevent this The pygmy had long since split his soul into all the little fragments of humanity, the dark soul, spread out amongst all the humans, you know. Uh, Izalith attempted to copy the first flame, but that ended in the ruin of her city and the birth of the flame of chaos. Gwyn offered his soul up as kindling for the first flame, and an entire religion spread to convince the undead to offer themselves and their humanity as fuel for the flame as well. Dark Souls 3 focuses quite a bit on this dying world in which the cycle has been repeated many times, but the unkindled ash that remains can't seem to revive the first flame as it once did. Dark Souls 3 is the journey of one piece of unkindled ash through the ruined and distorted world in a reenactment of that ancient ritual. It's the twilight of the series. It's not a world to live in, it's a final resting place. And the whole game mirrors that flow. Everything pushes you forward through the motions of sweeping up all the embers and weeping over the dying flame. Dark Souls 1 felt more like a living world. I know this is crazy to say, but in a game filled with corpses and the undead, Dark Souls 1 felt more like a world for living. There was hope. There was life. And the actual physical structure of Lordran made it feel like a place where your character could live. It was open and interconnected, and the story of the game was the story of your character. The end was the beginning. For me, Dark Souls 3 just doesn't feel the same. It has a set story. You proceed down a set path. You can accept covenants and the like, but it feels like it doesn't really matter much. It's nihilistic, almost. And it's honestly just not a world that I want to spend as much time in. The swamps and bogs and caverns, the approaching twilight, and all of it in a very set order time and again. It doesn't really have the same long-term appeal to me as Dark Souls 1 did. Now, Demon Souls was about a mission. So there was a, a set story here. It was about a mission to return the Old One to its slumber. There were no covenants. Just a mysterious and brutal world to survive. But the key point was that you could go many different directions and swap between them at will. That alone yields a ton of replay value. Believe me, the game is very, very different if you rush Shrine of Storms for the Crescent Falchion and then head into Stonefang. Uh, versus, say, going for the Blessed Weapon in the Valley of Defilement and then pushing deeper into Lyotria or wherever. Hell, most people will probably go through a few levels of Boletaria before they realize there's a lot of other stuff waiting for them beyond the Archstones. The key element, to me, was one of choice. You had a choice of environment, a choice of challenge, a choice of reward. Dark Souls 3 is a mission with very limited choice. The Unkindled Ash has very few options. You, you just have to go and get the lords, and you do it in a, a fairly set order. It doesn't feel to me like surviving a world so much as surviving a set adventure. And I think that Dark Souls 1 hit a great balance there. The world is interconnected, but you've got many different paths to get where you're going. You're given a mission, but it's never the main point of the game. The main point of the game is whatever you want to do, and the freedom to choose where to go and how to get there is a big part of that for me dark souls 3 like bloodborne and to a lesser extent dark souls 2 plays more like a traditional game it's got a movie-like linearity to it in some ways i mean i know it's it's not that straight hallway right like there are optional things within an area but in comparison to demon souls and dark souls 1 which are kind of the ones that i really hold up as being hey this is the series you know um and I think that that kind of linearity, I think that it's great for people who only want to play a game once or twice. You get that directed experience uh, and you get the story in, in that very um, uh, easy to absorb way. But if you want to live in these worlds and explore them time and time again in different ways over hundreds or thousands of hours, I just think that it's weaker for that, like, for that specific way of enjoying the game. Remember when I said in the beginning that this is my opinion? My opinion is fucking batshit crazy, all right? Like, I'm, I'm not a normal person playing these games. It's not like somebody who just picked up the game in GameStop and sat down and played through it one time and that was that. I think that for a lot of people, other reviewers, other people... Putting, putting commentary out for the games are, is going to be more in line with their actual experiences. Me I've played hundreds and hundreds of hours of Demon Souls probably a lot more than that for Dark Souls uh, a ton of Dark Souls too, especially during the writing of the guide a lot of Bloodborne and I've just played a lot of these games so for me that lasting impact, that lasting value Uh, the replay value, how much the worlds pull me in, how much they draw me in and make me want to stay there, how they're connected, how they give me different ways to experience them in different orders that it change my impression of the place. That's very important to me. That's probably not so important to 90% of the people who who play these games. Like that's, I mean, I'm just throwing a number out there, but I would say that most people who play these games don't care as much about that as i do but i do fucking care about it (laughs) and i just think that uh like i said it's it's a weaker dark souls 3 like bloodborne and dark souls 2 to a little bit lesser extent are are weaker for that sort of enjoyment than dark souls 1 and demon souls because of The amount of choice that those two early games gave you and i think that that really established something for the series and i think that a lot of the stuff uh, i think there's been a lot of general dissatisfaction with the later games that people haven't really been able to express clearly i think a lot of it comes down to having your choices limited it feels less like that open role-playing game that the first two felt like like Demon's souls you feel like when you pick your quote-unquote class at the beginning, it's kind of your origin is what they've taken to call it. You know, you're just role-playing that, and you're trying to survive this world. It's not a very guided experience. Dark Souls 1 was a very fascinating thing because it was a guided experience in in that you had NPCs trying to tell you this story. They were trying to sell you on this narrative. But they might have been lying to you, right? Like, they were using you for their own purposes, and so it was still kind of about trying to discover the truth of the world for yourself and, like, role-play your character. Those were role-playing games in the truest sense. Whereas, um, Dark Souls 2, uh... I won't I won't speak too much about Bloodborne, Bloodborne was very much a uh, had a set story. Right. But um, <clears throat> Dark Souls three as well. They just they they there wasn't as much emphasis on that. It wasn't as much about your freedom to build your story, to just experience the world, survive it and try to pull apart its mysteries. Instead, it was really more of a OK, straight through the story. Here you go. But let's talk for a minute about what Dark Souls 3 does right. I want to outright declare the gameplay as being the best in the series, but I can't. Uh, The weapon skills are a wonderful addition to gameplay. Love them. Love them! The whiffable backstabs add more balance and variety for how to approach enemies. I'm talking from a a PvE, (laughs) like playing against the computer, sort of approach here uh the delayed parry timing on standard shields creates a bigger difference it, it i mean it's a much bigger difference in play styles between light and standard shields um the chargeable strong attacks they really add some fun mind games i'm a big fan of that It and it, it has some uh interplay with ranges of enemies coming like you can start charging something up as something comes into your range stuff like that similar to the rifle spear from bloodborne um I also like the hyper armor system rather than letting players stack a single stat poise uh, to prevent them from staggering, although I think it wasn't really implemented well. If poise works like it did in Dark Souls 1, but only during your strong attacks or certain moves from certain weapons, I would say that's a happy balance. Uh, I know this is a huge point of contention in the community and everybody likes what they like. Um, Just for me, I like a hyper-armor system where hyper-armor is regulated by poise. It gives heavier armor more impact while not really making it mandatory or just super overpowered or just letting you poise through for backstabs and shit like that. And I also like it being tied somewhat to your weapon and your weapons moveset. Either way, overall, the gameplay was pretty damn slick. Uh, the bosses in particular stood out a great deal to me. Uh, I th- I will say that I think Dark Souls 3 has the best bosses in the series. Uh, Soul of Cinder was a very fitting end to it all. You face the power of every player who ever linked the flame. And then the original linker of the flame to uh, Gwen. And they played it so wonderfully with the music. When Gwen's theme kicks in in that second phase of that fight and he starts pulling that shit out. Ooh, boy, that was one of the really brilliant moments of Dark Souls 3. And it had some really, really, really nice highs. Uh, Nameless King may be my second favorite fight in the series. Uh, it's mostly a straightforward battle of timing and positioning. And those are my favorites. I really like Punch-Out!! If you guys have played Punch-Out, I don't know, or Super Punch-Out, I guess they have newer Punch-Out's for Wii or Wii U or Wii Me or Wii whatever. Wii, Wii, Wii all the way home. But in Punch-Out, it's just you standing in front of your opponent. You dodge, you block, you duck, and you punch. it's, It's all about choosing the right one at the right time when you see the tell from the enemy. The enemies always have some sort of like indication that I'm going to use this attack, and then you dodge it or block it uh, or counterpunch it at the right time. Uh, I really like that style of combat. It's very rewarding. It's fun to me. So fights like Nameless King, pretty fun. Um, Yeah. Aldrich was annoying at first, but in the end I liked the battle. Uh, It's just different. It's a lot more about figuring out the movement rather than timing like figuring out the attack pattern and figuring out where to actually move your character which makes it somewhat different from many fights in the series uh, They've they've started drifting more towards positional based combat versus uh timing with rolling and dodging and all that pontiff is really fun and pretty tough in a straight fight but you can apparently parry him though uh which makes a lot of sense abyss watchers has a gimmick but it feels cool rather than cheap i thought it was very well pulled off i want to i want to say this a lot of times gimmick fights are the ones that i hate those the ones that piss me off the, but the uh, but the gimmick in the abyss watchers battle it just felt cool and plus the fact that they give you a summon right outside to use too uh I, I think i think it's good i think it works and the second phase of the battle oh man it's got that nice crescendo to it the music is great uh It's just the the Abyss Watchers was a really cool fight. In terms of other gimmicky battles, the cursed Greatwood was a nice little mashup of like Bed of Chaos and Amelia from Bloodborne. Uh, yeah, overall, I think Amelia was more fun to me and probably and definitely more challenging. Uh, but if Bed of Chaos had been done more like Greatwood, that would have made Dark Souls one a hell of a lot better. I also like crystal sage more than fool's idol or Gwendolyn. That that fight just played out pretty well for me. I, I realized that a lot of people said well I just ran up to him and and stun locked him to death and yeah, I think that is something if you're more aggressive that's one weakness of that boss, but if you back off and play it kind of like it's a, intended. I, I I'm not when I say intended, I'm not trying to say that you're doing it wrong if you run up and you smash buttons i mean whatever works for you but what i'm saying is if you go up and you hit him and then he manages to go to his next phase where he makes all his decoys and then you're chasing him around the room and you're dodging behind pillars and you're using throwing knives and shit to take out his clones that's pretty cool uh i really like that fight right now i'm struggling to think of a single boss from Dark Souls 3 that I just really don't want to fight again. That just annoyed the shit out of me. And I don't want anything to do with it. Uh, and that's very different from previous games. Including Bloodborne. Um, I I really th- I really think Dark Souls 3 overall had the best bosses. Probably easier overall. A lot of people have said, man they're hard as shit. I don't think you played old hunters. <laughs> if you're telling me Dark Souls 3 bosses are hard. I just... I. I can't see anyone who played Bloodborne Old Hunters and fought those bosses coming back and saying that Dark Souls 3 is hard. I mean, maybe. Different things are hard for different people, right? Like, I I can never, like, guess what other people are going to find hard or easy. Some of the bosses that I find extremely easy really piss other people off and vice versa. So, I don't know. But to me, if you ask, well, what is a difficult boss then? Uh, (laughs) Huh. The shit from the old Hunters, (laughs) Bloodborne, old Hunters, yeah, 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 yeah. those are the hardest from soft fights so far, I think. But despite all of the uh, mechanical improvements in gameplay, and despite the great bosses, despite all of that, I can't crown Dark Souls 3 as having the best gameplay period in the series. And the reason for that is that I simply have more fun with Dark Souls One because it's fun to parry and backstab the shit out of everything I know I know that's completely subjective but I told you from the beginning <laughs> from the very beginning of this this is what this is it's my opinion what I think et cetera et cetera et cetera etc uh i I just I just have a lot more fun playing Dark Souls One because of doom like over and over and over and over i'm parrying this shit out of everything and i love it i just i just have fun with that um i'm a simple man with with simple needs (laughs) but for a little bit a little bit more objective reason why i won't just put it alone at number one dark souls 3 um bloodborne's transforming weapons and firearms are a very creative twist on things And it's difficult to really say whether I like Transformations or Weapon Arts better. They're they're kind of equally good. They're different, but equally good to me. Uh, I also like the weak point system in Bloodborne that allows for aggressive playstyles against the bosses, along with a regain mechanic. So, overall, it's just really hard for me to say Dark Souls 3 had better gameplay than Bloodborne. I did enjoy most of the Dark Souls 3 bosses more than the Bloodborne ones, although there were a couple of really good ones. It's just, it's kind of a toss-up for me. I, I, I like them both, uh, but I still have the most fun playing Dark Souls 1. For me, Bloodborne and Dark Souls 3 get the bulk of their replay value from challenge runs and the like. The gameplay is fun. The stories are told in a more linear fashion. Not to say that there aren't different interpretations, because there are. But they really just take a backseat to gameplay compared to with Dark Souls 1 for me. Uh, honestly, I think Demon's Souls had the most interesting story overall particularly due to the fact that the areas that you visit are somewhat spread out in the region of northern Boletaria. uh, it leaves the impression that there is a bigger world. Dark Souls 1 gave the impression that there was a larger world too. Uh, and I guess that's one thing that annoyed me about both Dark Souls 2 and 3. They more or less just ignored the world at large and opted for a weird time-slash-geography-is-distorted-slash-converging setup I wanted to see that world we heard so much about. I wanted to explore the places where all those fascinating characters came from. And instead, once again, personal feelings here, (laughs) just me, alright, just me guys, instead it feels like we get some kind of new villain of the week style bad guys, alright, I know, that's a little bit harsh, that's a little bit harsh, but. You know, things like the connections of Aldrich and the Pontiff to the previous denizens of Anor Orlando are interesting, alright? It's interesting how they're connected to the older characters, but they end up feeling less important given the grand scope of the overall lore. I mean, by the time we're fighting Pontiff, we've already killed Gwyn, the Lord of Cinders, previous Lord of Sunlight, like King of the Gods. Manus the father of the abyss the father of darkness himself an ancient dragon fuck we've killed Calamite we, we've killed these legends of the world legends of the mythology of the world involved in the, its very creation and, and shaping and possibly destruction and by the time we get to the Pontiff in Dark Souls 3 I mean he's just a little outclassed there right I mean hello team Then, we have a character like the Nameless King that people genuinely care about, and he kind of feels crammed in. Uh, He honestly doesn't seem to have any major role in the overall plot of Dark Souls, other than being a dragon-riding badass. There's room for speculation about his role in Lothric having dragons, uh, the presence of his shrine there, etc., 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 but... In terms of the fading flames and the failing cycle of rebirth, like the overwhelming theme, this kind of straightforward narrative of Dark Souls 3, and in fact, the overall series, he don't seem to really care too much. And it just seems tacked on. Maybe it, maybe it's just me, but it comes at the end of the game. It's an area completely separated for everything else, similar to how the painted world was in Dark Souls 1, but... <sighs> I I don't know, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. His design and the fight are awesome. And he lives up to the lore hype from that perspective. He's he's a really fucking cool boss. It just really seems like he could have been tied more strongly to the main plot, right? Like this is the, the last remaining like this is this is Gwen's firstborn son, right? Like this is a big badass right here. He's still got his power, right? I don't know. Perhaps the DLC will answer some of our questions there. Maybe. I don't really think so. I, I don't really. I don't really anticipate that the DLC is going to be connected to uh, the Firstborn. It could be. It could reveal like how that all went down. That would be really interesting if they would explain what led to his betrayal. What led to him joining up with the dragons there. I don't know, I'm expecting some abyss themed, abyssal themed uh, DLC. That's the deep, that's probably, that's probably where it's gonna go. Um, I'm not really sure though. In the end, I really like Dark Souls 3, but the linearity combined with the new lore feeling quite a bit less interesting than it could have been, it it holds it back. Uh, I still have a lot of NPC stuff to do, so I might still change my mind, But I honestly kind of doubt it, Um, and I think this is part of a bigger issue. I'm desperately ready for FromSoft to break from the formula and do something really new. And it's fascinating to me, too, that Miyazaki-san himself has said that NPC presentation and dialogues are difficult for him. At the time that I first heard that, I didn't really agree, but with so many games following the same pattern, I'm starting to actually appreciate what he meant by that. And this isn't to say that I haven't enjoyed all the games. Clearly, I have. Uh, it also isn't to say that I don't have faith in him to do something new. It's exactly the opposite, really. Uh, he He's aware that he was aware of this weakness before anybody else. He's the one who kind of brought it to light. Like, he says, this is difficult for me. Uh, so he's trying to do something different. And I get the impression that From is ready for something different. And I welcome it, whatever it may be. There really were... <laughs> I mean, there really were parts of Dark Souls 3 that were just outstanding. Irithyll, uh, Anor Orlando, and the Untended Graves stand out the most. Uh, Untended Graves was great. We had the Hunter's Dream in uh, Bloodborne, but the Untended Graves really took that to the next level. I I, I am a huge fan of that area. Um, along with the Nameless King fight and the final battle with the Soul of Cinder, those, those are also standout parts. But uh, other sections, like Fair and Keep, the Path of Sacrifices, and the Dungeon of Irithyll, they felt really weak by comparison. You know, more Poison Swamp, a straightforward road, and Latria with a line-of-sight curse effect. Okay, (laughs) alright, I just don't think I'll be talking about these areas in five years' time. Unless the DLC drops some major bombs on us, but, you know, if I talk about New Londo, or... (laughs) If I talk about Undead Berg or Parish, like these these places, or Latria for Christ's sake, like there are so many just amazing areas in Souls so far that things like Fair and Keep and the Path of Sacrifices and the Dungeon of Irithil. I know this probably sounds overly critical, but frankly, Dark Souls 3 is a great game that like it or not, <laughs> it faces comparison to a couple of all-time greats, right? Like it, it, you can't you can't help it. it. Especially as tied as the game is, it, like it directly references the previous games in the series so much that it's tied to it and it ca- it can't escape those those comparisons. Um I don't think it took as much advantage of the series rich lore as it could have and it wasn't as unique as bloodborne was and that kind of leaves it in an awkward spot with me i mean it's this is despite the wonderful gameplay the gameplay is great it's got the best fashion souls by miles uh and the soundtrack is badass as badass as well and i just i don't know man i could see myself playing a lot more of it uh probably in the form of challenge runs uh the second playthrough though it it just isn't captivating me the way Dark Souls and Demon Souls did. Maybe mainly because there's not so many different ways to experience the game. But for that matter, neither did Bloodborne or Dark Souls 2. They didn't captivate me the way Dark Souls and Demon's Souls did in the end. I mean, it is what it is. There was one point, actually, during Dark Souls 2 development. Um, I was playing it super early, working on the guide. And there was a point where I was having more fun with it than i had really had with dark souls or demon souls and i thought it was going to hook me a lot more than dark souls 1 ever did but i was ultimately wrong about that and it's something where i don't know how much of it is like my excitement to be seeing it as it's coming together my faith in them to fix the things that i thought weren't perfect with the game like I, i was they they improved the game so rapidly every time I got a new build that I was like, man, they're going to have this. This is going to be wonderful. And once again, it was still a great game. It just dark souls one and demon souls are special. I think that's what, I think that's what this all comes down to. Those games are fucking special, but, For me, I still love the gameplay of these games. It's just that the presentation has just kind of gotten stale. And I don't know how much of that is due to the repetition and reuse of it so many times so quickly. Or the linearity of recent games. But I think you guys can at least get where I'm coming from. Uh, Even if it still feels fresh to you. I mean, I can't even begin to assess this game from the perspective of someone who jumps into Dark Souls 3 without playing the prior titles might be the freshest of the freshest baby uh i just i can't i don't have that perspective you know uh with other games taking their cues from souls these days i'm thinking of stuff like uh salt and sanctuary for that matter the way they present their items and stuff like that other other series other games other developers are trying to copy these things that they find compelling about souls games and that that, that's fine that's great but it's Starting to feel a bit formulaic to me now. Not only because there's been so many Souls games, but also because we see other games starting to try to do similar stuff. The staggered release of the game across multiple regions, that didn't help the community either. I know it's a business decision, but it really did suck. I mean, it just, it was unfortunate. So, that's that. Now everyone can go tell the world how I hate Dark Souls 3, etc, etc, (laughs) etc. For the record, I don't hate Dark Souls 3. I love it. It probably makes my top 10 games list of all time. But that should, but me saying it probably makes my top 10, should kind of tell you how it falls within the franchise for me, given that Demon's Souls is still my all-time number two second favorite game. Just... Hands down, Demon Souls. Uh, as much as I love Dark Souls, it just, it, it can't trump demons for me. Just because that was my first experience with the series. But also because I like the Nexus. I like, I like the Nexus. I like Stonefang Mine. I like Bolateria. I specifically like the settings. I like the environments. I like that world. Um, not saying I don't like Dark Souls 1. I obviously do. But it just, that, that one for me is special. So it gets a special place on the list. Still, it's very solidly number two. What I'm excited about now is uh, the new projects that From's working on, because uh, Big M has said that they're working on another Soul style game, but also a reboot of another IP and an entirely new project that's a bit weird, they say. Now that one has my interest. Uh, there wasn't any real news from them at E3 either, and I love it. I love it. I love that. I really hope that they're gonna take their time and blow us away with this. I, I hope they're doing something fucking big, something different. Uh, I mean, I know they're working on the Dark Souls 3 DLC. It's still on its way, and I imagine that that will be the next thing that we see from them. Uh, and I really want it to be the big bombs to send the series off with a bang. I, I really am hoping for that final tie-in that makes me go back and say, "Remember that pad? That podcast? Remember that podcast I made? Fuck that noise!" I can just go and say, you know what? The DLC completely makes this, and this is the best thing ever. I hope that, I hope that that happens. I just don't know that it will. Um, But the reboot that they're working on is likely to be Armored Core, although Big M has hinted at the possibility of a Tenchu game in the past, because they do kind of have that license as far as I know, Uh, and he's, he's, he's specifically kind of mentioned you know maybe maybe a stealthy ninja game but um looks like armor core and honestly i'm ready for it I, I i'm ready for some sci-fi mech shit man <laughs> if they if they rework the gameplay and give something different i i i i i think i'm on board well then again he likes fucking with people so recently though <laughs> I've been playing a lot of a game recommended by Miyazaki-san, and the game that he recommended was Hearthstone. Now, I know, I know, I know. Just take a moment, deep breath, calm down. I'm going to talk about this just a little bit, just a little bit here. Uh, I swear, I swear Miyazaki Hidetaka is one of the very few people on Earth who could actually get me to go back and take another look at something like that. Uh, But recently, when he was asked about recent titles that may have caught his eye, he said, The thing that I can enjoy right now on a pure level is Hearthstone. That's not connected to Dark Souls 3, but I love Hearthstone. (laughs) Uh, and in, in the, this was in the context of a conversation in which he's talking about how it's really difficult for him to play other games because he's constantly stuck in design mode, director mode, critic mode. And it makes sense to me, actually. I mean, if he said he has difficulty breaking out of that designer or critic mode when playing games, Hearthstone is a very pure game from that perspective. I, I think the word pure there really fits. Even if you think about the balancing of cards and their combinations, Well, that's just playing the game now, isn't it? (laughs) I think it's similar to how I've been craving something simpler. Some like 2D action titles recently. I've been playing a shit ton of Uprising Hardcore. I've been practicing to try to do a challenge series on it. That game is is really, really good. It's really, really hard. It's If you remember the old series Contra, it's a Contra game that was made by Arc System Works. So yeah, yeah, it's good. But playing something like that, it's a lot easier to just shut off the critical part of my brain and just enjoy the game. Just kind of react and have a little bit of Twitch gameplay, a little bit of memorization, a little bit of aiming, a little bit of everything except fun. It's not a little bit of fun. It's a lot of fun. Hearthstone has been a lot of fun, too. Um, But I must admit, I bought cards. I did. I did. I bought cards. I wasn't going to. And then I was like, fuck this grind. And I did it. Uh, and as soon as I did it, I went from losing more than I won to winning six straight in a row in rank play after putting just a couple of good cards in my deck. And I guess that's the biggest problem that most people are going to have with Hearthstone. Uh, It is pay-to-win at some level, and it's also heavily luck-based. It's still fun to me, though. Um, There is an element of skill, and there are occasionally clever plays and bluffs that you can make, Uh, and that is, by the way, the difference between getting your five attack blood hoof brave Pollied, or your 10 attack frothing berserker and that <laughs> can be the difference between winning and losing not like i'm speaking for personal experience <laughs> my poor berserker there's skill in designing a good deck although there are plenty of them out there to copy uh, there's skill in playing a deck correctly in different situations it takes money or time which are roughly equivalent but not exactly the same uh, to have a good deck. You, you need money or time to have a good deck. And if both players have roughly equal skill and cards, luck is the major determinant of success. Now that's going to bother some people, but it's actually part of the appeal to me. Uh, come with me. Come, c- c- come, come with me while I, I walk down a little side path of the Nambrow psyche here, alright? Just, just, just come with me, people. So... If I know, (laughs) if I know that a competitive game is 100% skill-based, like there's no luck involved, it's all pure raw skill, baby. If I know that, and then I lose, I tend to get pissy. It's not a good character trait, and believe me, I'm aware of that. I try not to get pissy. I try not to be a little bitch. But I just really can't help it beyond a certain point. But when I know that luck is involved, well, <laughs> it's a whole lot to let that shit go. Beyond that, having luck as a factor opens up the doors for miracles to happen. And some of y'all listening might not have been r- around long enough to know, uh, but my favorite game of all time, my number one, is Final Fantasy Tactics. And I particularly like doing challenges and playing the hard mode patch 1.3. And part of the reason for that is there there is a huge element of skill predicated luck involved. Skill predicated luck. What the fuck do I mean by skill predicated? What I mean is skill predicated, skill predicated, skill predicated luck means that you can't just get lucky and win. But you can play really, really well and get lucky and win. That feeling of, even if I play as well as possible, as well as anybody possibly could, I'm still not certain I'll succeed. That feeling is something money just can't fucking buy. Oh, baby. <laughs> and that is fun for me. It's not fun for everybody. uh. But I've found so far that the luck elements of Hearthstone don't really bother me. Instead, it actually kind of makes me like it more. That's weird, but that's, that's just how my experience has been. I have a lot easier time just kind of taking things nice and cool and easy and casual. You know, sometimes I get pissed, I lose a bunch of games in a row, I'm gonna get pissed off, I'm gonna bitch on Twitter, it happens, but I don't get anywhere near as salty with Hearthstone as I do with most competitive games. I don't know, it's just like the anti-bitch medicine. I am still overall a bit disappointed in Blizzard for the very conservative design of their modern games. Um, They seem to be focused on streamlining and polishing older game designs, and they're by all measures being successful with it in the case of Hearthstone and Overwatch. Personally, I like Heroes of the Storm a lot, it's just not successful overall, I wouldn't say. I just lament. Alright, I, I lament. Lament. I weep. I I I mourn in general that the biggest name in the business isn't also unveiling cutting edge designs. I just I just wish there there was a place within that like that juggernaut that is Blizzard for some some truly revolutionary game designs. But uh then again, let's be fair, I suppose that the failure of Titan probably has a lot to do with it. Uh, I've I've been reading a, a couple of interviews that were done about Titan here recently, or not, maybe not super recently, but I went back and I was reading up on Titan a little bit, and I think that that project failing really hurt Blizzard in a lot of ways, and and I don't mean like financially. That's you know that it is what it is. But I think it kind of hurt them in other ways. And I think that that's why we've got games like Hearthstone and Overwatch and Heroes of the Storm that are um, streamlined, polished, uh, very fun and addictive versions of kind of old game designs, right? Instead of something that's just like balls to the wall new. Um yeah. Okay, that's what I've been playing lately, and I have been playing it a lot. On E3 Talk. Eh. <laughs> I don't really have much. I don't really have much to say about E3. Uh, to, the, to, the, to the disappointment of some, I guess. Um, But I'm just not really interested in Zelda Room. right? The, the new Zelda game, Zelda Breath of the Wind, or Breath of the... Fire, shit, god fucking damn it, why did they kill Breath of Fire? Um, the new Zelda game, I don't, I just, I'm just i just not interested. Uh, the SNES was the last Nintendo console I owned, and the GBA was the last handheld, though I did play Order of Ecclesia on DS, and I recommend the hell out of that. Uh, Order of Ecclesia is another one of those, like, bam, top tier Metroidvanias, and that actually is a Metroidvania, because it is a Castlevania game that takes its cues from metroid and it's probably the best one and if bloodstain ends up going the way of order of ecclesia then good fine fuck it i'm glad because it's really good but i just don't think nintendo really makes games for me anymore i I mean i just i'll just keep playing the witcher 3 when i have time for it honestly now that i think about it no one really makes games that hit my specific niche super light fantasy doesn't really do it for me unless it's some goddamn vanillaware, and even then like stuff like The Witcher is a bit darker than I really like Um, I I prefer stuff like Dark Souls and yeah I, I mean I know you fight demons and undead and shit like that but it's pretty far removed from like basic human spite and meanness and I've just I've had enough of that in my real life and you know actually now that I think about it I guess I actually do kind of like lighter fantasy stuff a bit Uh, I just don't like Zelda. (laughs) Zelda 2 and A Link to the Past are actually my favorite Zelda games. In fact, the only ones that I really like. Uh, Then again, I'm also one of those rare heathens that prefers Metroid Fusion to Super Metroid, so fuck what do I know. And I basically just don't like any 3D Zelda, any 3D Metroid, or any 3D Castlevania. Um... It's not to say that they should, those games shouldn't exist. I mean, there are obviously tons and tons and tons and tons of players who just adore that and then look at the older ones and go, well, this is, huh, woo, man, we've come a long way. Uh, but that long way that you came, I liked those old games. I like the older ones. Pyre. Pyre. P-Y-R-E. That is a fascinating looking title. It's a sports adventure game by Supergiant, uh, the creators of Bastion and Transistor. Sports adventure game? Hmm. You can kind of sign me up already. I mean, it looks cool. Uh, I don't really have much to say about it because we haven't seen a whole lot of gameplay. I'm interested to see more gameplay. Uh, Not much to say until then, but look it up if you missed it. P-Y-R-E Pyre. Seems different from the pack, and that's probably a good thing neo remains on my watch list there is a second test slash demo slash alpha slash whatever coming this year i think in august they said so hopefully it will be back in an improved state uh for those of you guys who maybe missed out on the first demo it was moving in the right direction but the balancing and controls seemed a bit off It, it it really it really felt like it needed a lot of work but having said that Um, they genuinely seemed interested in the feedback that they got. So I'm still cautiously optimistic about this. I, I would say that it was a little bit more like Bushido Blade than it was Dark Souls. All right. Uh, and honestly, one of my criticisms of that demo, one of the things that just really irritated me was it felt like they were adding a whole lot of Dark Souls where there didn't need to be any Dark Souls. Sometimes an action game can just be an action game. doesn't have to be doesn't have to have super heavy RPG elements Uh, that's I I really really truly believe that and we don't I just maybe maybe I'm just missing them all but I don't feel like we really see that as much anymore um just an action game that you know I guess that's my I guess this is what I get for not owning a Wii U and not playing Bayonetta 2 huh You said Nintendo doesn't make games for you, son, but they have bayonet Well, that's platinum. Speaking of just action games, I cannot believe. I I can't believe these fucking words are about to come out of my mouth. The new God of War trailer actually did impress me. Alright. Okay, look. It wasn't very subtle. <laughs> You wouldn't expect God of War to be subtle. But it was more mature. It was a more mature version of Kratos, which is frankly nice to see. Uh, I don't know how far they'll carry it, but it caught my eye. I, I think Kratos has always got to have his character flaws. He's He's got to be this. The, there's this certain elements that have to be there. So I I think they'll never carry it as far as I want. But I would love to see a more mature version of Kratos, uh, Kratos, of Kratos who actually grows and has character development through the game and becomes reasonable. <laughs> I know that's the complete opposite of what that series is all about. But that's that's part of the reason why it interested me is because, hmm, okay, well, he's not just running around like an asshole. The combat that was shown looked Okay. Uh, it did seem overly cinematic, uh, but you you know, you know expect some of that from the series. At the same time, I kind of wonder how much of it was just for the trailer. Uh, and when I say overly cinematic, people are going to be, what's wrong with combat being cinematic? Well, there's nothing wrong with combat being cinematic, as long as it has a fun flow that isn't overly disrupted by long periods of no interaction or... God help me, quick time events. I will say, though, that um, I want to say, was it, God of War 2 that I played? That I felt like the quick time events in that game for, like, death blows or whatever, they actually didn't bother me too much. And the reason that they didn't bother me is they felt more like doing moves. Like, you, you input a certain command, and it's very consistent what that command is going to do. Uh, so... I didn't really, they didn't bother me as much as I thought they would. I actually enjoyed the combat in that quite a bit. I just hated the character and the story. Like, it was just like, Bruh, yeah, brruh, yeah. But this time, this trailer, um, specifically the setting and the environment scored points with me. They they really did. i go for that kind of stuff. I lament. In general, lament, I say, lament. I weep. I mourn. Uh, how they kind of seem to be trying to express some complex emotions in Kratos' character through large, awkward movements. Uh, I don't know, it might just be me, but like at the end of the trailer, when he starts to reach his hand out to touch his son and then pulls it away. It was a bit jarring to me because it should be something delicate and hesitant. They're trying to express kind of something complex here. You know, he wants to comfort his son, but he doesn't want to make him soft. He's proud of him, but he just doesn't. He, he, he's he got this weird kind of relationship there with his son. And they got that across but they they got it across to everyone. <laughs> they don't want anyone to miss it. So they draw a bunch of attention to it. So something that should be very like delicate and very subtle it's this kind of like really big <laughs> focused on thing. Does this complaint make sense to anyone? I I, I don't know. Either way, I don't care. I love third person melee based action titles. Uh if the gameplay is good, I'm in. Uh, as long as they they keep it Uh, an action game and don't just throw rpg stuff all over the place just fucking because uh i think it'll be i think it'll be something to play uh my statements earlier about preferring something lighter still apply though Uh, i'd greatly prefer if kratos wasn't a raging asshole i mean unless you fuck with his kid i mean you fuck with somebody's kid you got it coming to you there ain't no more to say oh i guess last thing i did think it was odd that it popped up Spartan Rage when it seemed to be kind of a norse theme setting. Uh, I wonder if that means that they're going to try to do a, uh, Yeah. So that wraps us up. Uh, moving forward, I'm shifting up the videos a bit. I think Let's Plat is going on a hiatus. Maybe canceled? Uh, I'm just not enjoying it. I'm just not enjoying it as much as I think I would enjoy challenge run with some casual chat. So, Inner Assassin chat. Uh, I'll probably upload some short, short, short videos of something else too, likely Hearthstone. Uh, I want to make videos of what I'm enjoying, and right now, right now, those two things are so much more interesting to me than stumbling around looking for rings, if I'm blunt. Assassin chat will likely be a base level run with a death counter rather than being permadeath, with the aim being to develop strategies for a permadeath run, and also chat. Similar to Zvi in a Chat, Crushing Battle Chat, and Breakfast, those sorts of series. Oh, and don't worry about missing bait. Her cousin, Fate, is the character for the chat series, and when you know it, they look just alike. Y'all, I'm Marcus, and don't forget your poison arrows or your second chance. I'm telling you, you'll be left crying tears of denial. Spot.